The Teachings of Enoch by Water and Blood and the Spirit Moses 6, 58-60 Book of Moses Insight, number 16 The Doctrine of Rebirth in Moses 6, 59 and 60 In Moses 6, 59 and 60, we read these significant words about the doctrine of rebirth. I give unto you a commandment to teach these things freely unto your children, saying, that inasmuch as they were born into the world by the fall, which bringeth death, by water and blood, and the spirit which I have made, and so became of dust a living soul, even so ye must be born again of water and of the spirit, and be cleansed by blood, even the blood of mine only begotten, into the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, that ye might be sanctified from sin, and enjoy the words of eternal life in this world, and enjoy eternal life in the world to come even immortal glory. For by the water ye keep the commandment, by the Spirit ye are justified, and by the blood ye are sanctified. According to the book of Moses, Enoch and the other prophets taught that the doctrine of rebirth. Enoch cited the word of God to Adam to the effect that man must be born into the kingdom of heaven in order to be sanctified from all sin, even the, enjoy the words of eternal life in this world, and acquire eternal life in the world to come even immortal glory. Joseph Smith taught that the principles of rebirth are strict and exact, and unless man obeys them in the way which has been ordained by God, he cannot acquire eternal life. He must first be born to see the kingdom of God, said Joseph Smith. Then he must be born of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom. This process has been taught by prophets in all ages of time. It does not place total reliance on e upon either the action of the Spirit or the role of the ordinances, but upon both. Quote, being born again comes by the Spirit of God through ordinances, said the prophet. Through this process, the power of God is manifested to transform a mortal man or woman into a son or daughter of God. A significant distinction is made in Moses 6.59 between the words of eternal life and eternal life itself. Although we have no authoritative interpretation of this distinction, one possible interpretation for the words of eternal life would be as a reference to the sure promise of exaltation that can only be received in an anticipatory way in this world through the earthly and heavenly ordinances that reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Of course, eternal life itself could only be given in the world to come after the end of one's probation. And in an 1839 discourse on the topic of the Second Comforter, the prophet Joseph Smith taught that it is our privilege to pray for and obtain the knowledge that we are sealed up to eternal life. In order to prepare for this privilege, we are told in Revelation to, quote, give diligent heed to the words of eternal life, and to, quote, live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God, end of quote. The prophet explained that initially it is the first comforter, the Holy Ghost, which shall, quote, teach you. Eventually, most commonly in the next life, that joyous moment will come when, at last, as the Savior promised, quote, ye shall come to me and my Father, end of quote. In Moses 6.59, water, spirit, and blood are introduced both as symbols of mortal life after the fall and also as symbols of spiritual birth in the process of redemption. Then in verse 60, we're given a brief explanation of the symbolism of these three elements as it applies to the progressive results of the ordinances of salvation. Hugh Nibley summarizes this progression as follows, quote, The water is an easy act of obedience. By the water you keep the commandment. I know not, save the Lord commanded me. 
That's your sacrifice. So you get baptized as an act of obedience. Then, by the Spirit, ye are justified. That's the Holy Ghost. That's your state of mind. If you go through the motions as obedient, and that's all you do, that's the first necessary step here. The Spirit gives you the state of mind. Naturally, you enter into it, the understanding, the agreement without which any act would be utterly meaningless. You're not just being baptized as a bag of sand. You've got to be baptized physically, but then it goes beyond that to the Spirit, where you understand and are aware of what's going on. The Holy Ghost does that. He brings all things to your mind and all things to your remembrance. Then, the last thing is, and by the blood you're sanctified. You can't sanctify yourself, but by completely giving up life in this world, which means suffering death, which means the shedding of blood. This is the end of earthly life, and people avoid and dread that more than anything else. That's why we find proxies for the sacrifice. So the shedding of blood is your final declaration that you are willing to give up this life for the other, and it is an act of faith. End of quote from Hugh Nibley. The Record of Heaven Having explained the doctrine of rebirth, the Lord now describes how one can come to a sure knowledge of that belief through what is termed the record of heaven and be sealed up to eternal life through the blood of the only begotten. That, you in, that in you is given the record of heaven, the comforter, the peaceable things of immortal glory, the truth of all things, that which quickeneth all things, that which maketh alive all things, that which knoweth all things, and hath all power according to wisdom, mercy, truth, justice, and judgment. And now, behold, I say unto you, this is the plan of salvation unto all men, through the blood of mine only begotten, which shall come in the meridian of time. And behold, all things have their likeness, and all things are created and made to bear record of me, both things which are temporal and things which are spiritual, things which are in the heavens above and things which are on the earth, and things which are in the earth, and things which are under the earth, both above and beneath, all things bear record of me. And it came to pass that when the Lord had spoken with Adam, our father, that Adam cried unto the Lord, and he was caught away by the Spirit of the Lord, and was carried down into the water, and was laid under the water, and was brought forth out of the water, and thus he was baptized. And the Spirit of God descended upon him, and thus he was born of the Spirit, and became quickened in the inner man. And he heard a voice out of heaven saying, Thou art baptized with fire, and thou art baptized with the Holy Ghost. This is the record of the Father and the Son from henceforth and forever. And thou art after the order of him who was without beginning of days and end of, or end of years, from all eternity to all eternity. Behold, thou art one in me, a Son of God, and thus may all become my sons. Amen. The term record is mentioned four times in these seven verses. Each mention adds to the overall understanding of the promised blessing. Therefore it is given to abide in you the record of heaven. Verse 61. This phrase expands on the promise given in Moses 6.52. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Whereas in verse 52, the blessings of the promise mentioned specifically has to do with asking and receiving, in verse 61, other blessings are mentioned, including, quote, the peaceable things of immortal glory, in OT1 manuscript, or the keys of the kingdom of heaven, in the OT2 manuscript. Note, however, that Doctrine and Covenants 42.61 links the peaceable things 
with the mysteries as the results of revelation, strengthening the connection between the OT1 phrasing and verse 52. Quote, If thou shalt ask, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge, that thou may know the, mayest know the mysteries and peaceable things, that which bringeth joy, that, that which bringeth life eternal. Observe that the OT2 phrasing recalls the words of Jesus Christ to Peter in Matthew 16:19, that are associated with the sealing power. Quote, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound on in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Elsewhere, Joseph Smith equates the power which records with the sealing power, or in other words, the power that binds on earth and binds in heaven. All things are created and made to bear record of me. All things bear record of me. Verse 63. Here the Lord builds on his declaration of the revelatory witness of the Holy Ghost to affirm that everything he has created in heaven and in earth also serves as a witness of him. Hugh Nibley observed, quote, There's a wonderful passage in Santiana on this. The ancients believe we live in the midst of a great manifold in which everything reflects everything else. This is a beautiful expression of it. The earth is a reflection of heaven, and heaven a reflection of the earth. We use the language of one to describe what's going on in the other time and again. We regard the temple here as the ancients always did, as reflecting the heavenly pattern. This is the record of the Father and the Son, verse 66. Although the Holy Ghost, which beareth record of the Father and the Son, previously fell upon Adam for a moment, the comfort that he has promised in verse 61 will henceforth abide in him, recalling John 14:16's promise of another comfort, comforter that would abide in the disciples forever. In an 1839 discourse on the topic of this second comforter, the prophet taught that it is, quote, our privilege to pray for and obtain the knowledge that we are sealed up to eternal life. The prophet explained that it is the first comforter, the Holy Ghost, which, quote, shall teach you until the moment at last when we are fit to receive the promised blessing, when, quote, ye shall come unto me and my Father. The sure witness provided, sure knowledge provided by the record of heaven is something more than the prefatory witness that is meant to come to those who have been baptized in worthiness and after confirmation are ready to receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 66 associates the record of the Father and the Son with a voice out of heaven declaring that Adam has been baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Note that in verse 68, having received this heavenly witness or more sure word of prophecy, Adam is then divinely declared to be a son of God. Common vocabulary and themes in Moses 6, 61 through 66 and the New Testament. In previous insights, we discussed the frequent resemblances in vocabulary and phrasing of Moses 6 to the New Testament, both in its frequent use of record and its mention of water, spirit, and blood, Moses 6, 61-66 exhibits notable similarities, especially to Joah 9 writings. But unlike the parallels discussed previously, we currently have no evidence that the New Testament authors drew on older ideas present in ancient Enoch literature when they composed their accounts. Until such evidence is found, we may presume that these resemblances are due to a common ancient source, are the product of independent revelation, or else are artifacts of the revelatory translation process. Significantly, New Testament writings ascribed to John are replete with the concept of heavenly and earthly records. In his Gospel, 
We read that John the Baptist and John the Apostle bear record of Christ, that Jesus bears record of himself, that the people who saw the raising of Lazarus bear record, and that John bear record, a true record that blood and water came out of Jesus' side when he was pierced. In 3 John 1.12, it is similarly recorded, quote, We also bear record of the truth, and you know that our record is true. Revelation 1.2 relates that God's servant John bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he, John, saw. Of particular interest is John 1, first John 5, 5 through 8, which describes the witness of heaven and earth in conjunction with three elements of water, spirit, and blood, echoing their mention in Moses 6, 59 and 60. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. Some of the words in these verses are shown in italics because they are omitted from nearly all modern translations. These words, referred to as the Johannine comma, do not appear in the oldest manuscripts of the Bible. Adding to the significance of the common mention of water, the Spirit, and blood in the book of Moses and 1 John is that these are the only instances in which these elements are referenced together in the Bible and elsewhere in Latter-day Saint scripture. The arguments in the two passages are somewhat similar, but different in scope and application. In 1 John, the three elements serve as witnesses to the mortal birth and redeeming death of the Son of God, while in Moses 6, they are symbols of the mortal death and the possibility of spiritual rebirth for all humankind. In subsequent insights, we will explore ancient precedents through the process of spiritual rebirth by examining the individual nature of the symbols of water, spirit, and blood in the ordinances one by one.